that with you. But the thing is, back in the day, pre-pandemic, we had you, Hollywood, Demetrio, myself, and wasn't there a fifth? Or was it just um, okay, the four? So, so it was, um, all right, when I came in originally, right. it was uh, Jason, Doug, Rob and Apple. Rob. Right, right. And mm. then and then when uh, I only came in because Doug wanted to go. And then it wound up being uh, Kevin Kevin Hall came in. And then Hollywood came in. And then I think Kevin left and you came in his place. No, it was place, Rob Apple. Oh, okay. Because there was a scandal with Rob. Like he's playing a club down the street or something and Gene was yeah. kicking him out and, and and Hollywood recommended me and Hollywood doesn't even remember that he recommended me and that was oh, my Oh yeah, opinion. I know he recommended you because he asked me about it. Uh-huh. He's like, how do you feel about Carl? I was like, he's in his first year. This is the perfect thing. And he's like, he goes, really? Because he's in his first year? That's what you're saying? I go, honestly, no one should manage the club for more than a year. I'm like, I've been here too long. And he's like, right, right. Yeah, but yeah. you should stay. And I was like, no, no, no. And it's no offense to them. I just, I, this is my personal opinion on uh, management. And everybody tells me I'm wrong, and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, I feel like your your first year, do a guest spot. Your second year, either manage your MC, and then your third, do the opposite. And then your fourth year, you should be moved up to that feature. And then mm -hmm. if you're not ready to headline that club in like five years, it's not going to have the business. It's just that ain't, that ain't the club for you. You should, you right. should have at least yeah. within five years, you should be at least one uh, one time a year doing minimum 45 minutes. Now, I wanted to move on to you becoming a comedy producer. Uh, yeah. That is really a forte of yours, you know, and and uh, you get the opportunities. You have no problem knocking on doors, making phone calls, going to places and making a deal and producing comedy shows. So, like, not how did you fall into that, because I think you're just a can-do, get-it-done guy. But why did you decide to be a comedy producer? Uh, okay, so... Two things. A lot of people think that I'm producing a lot more than I am. I work for a lot of people. Uh, actually, by far, at this point, most of my gigs are not under Devil's Den Comedy Club, and they're not under Anthony Crescenzo. They're just I'm picking up gigs. Uh -huh. um, I'm, I'm putting in. That's really what it is. I'm always putting in for something. Uh, but what got me into doing production was uh, I right, a couple of reasons. One, I wanted to get myself into places that I couldn't necessarily get uh, right. just by asking. So, I'd, you know, I would find a place and nobody else was doing like, like a, a place that was just doing uh, karaoke or bingo, uh, bingo or trivia, or whatever it was. Right. Uh, right. Sometimes I'll do churches. It doesn't really matter to me because my whole idea is I want to get in. And if I could get my friends in with me, then I get to have a good time on the way there, on the way back, you know, while I'm working, it's a fun, it's a fun opportunity and mm -hmm. making a few bucks always helps. Uh, but that's, <laughs> and also you you want to, you want to be, uh, you want to be the face of your own product. So a lot of it was just like my face on the posters, but not all the posters. A lot of them, it would just say comedy it wouldn't say, or it would say devil's end comedy club. 
it or pulpit, it wouldn't say Anthony Crescenzo. It wouldn't have my face. Well, there on was it. a time. Even when Island of Spirits didn't have my face. It had right. my name. That was even the one that put together the poster. Yeah. Sometimes you are the brand, but that is not consistent. And I think you're more interested in the show, um, you know, getting people to come out to the show, you know. Okay, so yeah. tell me, Anthony Crescenza, how can people find you out there on social media, on a website, or the production company Devil's Den? How do people see what you're up to out there on the internet? Yeah, the easiest way is online. Devil's Den. Sorry, one more time. I will edit this. Go ahead and tell me how can people find you out there on the internet? Okay. Uh, the easiest ways are for Devil's Den Comedy Club. Go to devilsdencomedyclub.com or go to the Facebook for Devil's Den or the Instagram for Devil's Den. Um, those are the best ways to find out about Devil's Den Productions. Now, when it comes to Anthony Crescenzo, it's anthonycrescenzo.com, but you'd also be able to find out through uh, Instagram, TikTok, um, Facebook, and then the Eventbrites are always going. And if you go to Anthony, uh, Anthony Crescenzo, Comedian or AP Crescenzo, I think is what it is. We uh -huh. just released the uh, the special uh, <laughs> ping pong just came out on YouTube today. Uh, ping pong. Yeah, that was at the Devil's Den Comedy Club in Newark. It's actually it's it's already streaming and it's doing pretty well. I went to go look at the analytics about an hour ago. Okay, now ping pong is on your YouTube channel and what pinball. is the pinball? Not ping pong, pin. No, and I actually say ping pong by accident during the special. Oh, all right. Okay, so it's pinball. And pinball. what is your YouTube like, channel? Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> what is your YouTube channel? Uh, I believe it's AP Crescenzo. I'll make 100% sure. Is that your middle initial P? Yeah. Crescenzo. Uh, okay. I'll tell you right now exactly what it is. Good. Because people got to know. I know. I'm also going to send you a link to the special. And the trailer for it. You just ping pong that right over to me. Yeah. Let me see exactly what it is. This way I'm not screwing it up. It is. It's AP Crescenzo. AP Crescenzo. Okay, that's the YouTube. Okay, great. Now. Anthony Crescenzo. Everybody at home is poised to watch this film at the exact same time as we do here in the studio. So everyone at home has got to press play at the exact same time as we do here in the studio. And that's what you're here for, Anthony Crescenzo. So why don't you go ahead and give us that celebrity comedian countdown. This is Anthony Crescenzo. Put your watching movie hat on right now. We're watching this movie in three Two, one, press. Thank you, Celebrity Comedian Countdown. It's 2006. I said this movie was 2004. Right, 2004. TVA films. Oh, it's it says 2006. It's probably because the DVD was released in the United States. Okay. This and is a I foreign guess film? This is a Canadian film. Now, you know we see lots of movies in which... They filmed in Canada because it was cheaper. Not this film. This film is Canadian, funded by the Canadian government. Every actor in here is going to be Canadian. Well, that's good. I mean, there's a lot of very funny comedians. So Jim Carrey's going to be on this? Can't wait. 
Well, <laughs> actually, Jim Carrey's not going to be on it, but um, a, a guy who we watch in many films that people occur, accuse of being um, like Jim Carrey is going to be on it. It's David Dave Frewer, who who we know as Max Headroom. Lots Matt of people, Frewer. yeah. Well, oh, Matt Matt Frewer. Yeah. Lots of people say that he's very much like Jim Carrey. I don't know. I think they're right, but. Well, he didn't copy Jim Carrey. He was just always like that as a comedic actor. One of the reasons why this movie pulled me is two reasons. Right now, Dave Thomas is on screen. He uh, is, of course, one of the McKenzie brothers, SCTV, Grace Under Fire, and he directed this movie, one of his rare movie directs. Yep. And also, Matt Fewer, who you love, because we've seen him in, like, Speed Zone. Yes. Uh, and another film. National Lampoon's. Senior Trip. Senior trip, and another woman in here is in senior trip, right? And, oh, and wasn't he the farmer? There was um another National Lampoon movie, like Going the Distance, I think it was called. That's right. That and was he Canadian was the too. Farmer in it, yeah. Yeah. All right. So with Dan Aykroyd, Canadian. That's one of them, right? Yes, absolutely. No, everyone you're seeing right now on this screen, they're all Canadian. She is Get Canadian. He is Canadian. Weird. So I'm glad I have Ooh. subtitles up so I can understand this. He's a Canuck and she's a Kachik. Dave Foley, Canadian. Yes. Is Dave Foley good in this movie or is he embarrassing? We saw him in Postal. That's the only reason why I'm asking. He's good in this film. He's good in this film. Okay, turn it up for a minute because it you get a funny joke. She... Because he gets the diagnosis and walks away. Here it is. Very good, Miss Towers. Moving on. Isn't anybody going to pressure test my whatever? <laughs> All right, burn victim, second degree. That was the joke. I need a Carl, I hate, uh, someone said something insulting to the guy. I'm kidding. It was a burn victim. He didn't have a response. Uh, I'm not following you, Mike, but I want you to know this movie is very bad, and it's very unfunny. And every now and again, I'll tell you to turn up the sound because a funny thing's coming. It's going to give the audience impression this is a good movie. It is not. There's so I mean, many unfunny bits. I think Ian Thomas, who did the music, is Dave Thomas's brother because I know that his brother was involved. I don't remember if it was Ian, but he was a musician. Is a musician. Way to get work, right? Well, no, you just you know you got to rely on somebody. Listen, I got to get the music down while I direct this film. I'll get my brother in done. Well, I appreciate that. Many of the theme songs that you hear on this show, my son helped me. Uh, record and played instruments and sang on. So right. yeah, I get it. It's less nepotism and more you're in the room. <laughs> I need this dud. So we just met our love interest, okay? And you see, this film is poor, and one of the reasons it's poor is it has so many different tones. Like, when you first start watching it, you think it ought to be a National Lampoon with all of its like uh, Which, outrageous, how many medical uh, uh, work comedies have we seen, especially under the National Lampoon banner? I mean, the first one I think is Robo Doc. 
was that a national lampoon because that's yes. a good example and that was canadian that had alan, alan thick in it uh-huh yeah it did right that was the movie we watched that had michael winslow and he did not do one sound effect oh there's my barbie Boing. now when i first started watching this thing without any research i saw dave thomas at the beginning and i thought of that movie robocop i was like oh Here's his cameo, and then he's walking away. Dan Aykroyd's in this film. Let's see how low these guys' careers have sunk. But no, not at all. Dave Thomas made this movie. He's proud of this movie. He toured Canada promoting this movie. Wow. Unfortunately, it was a box office failure. It seems like a good product. I mean, it no. has comedy. No. no? No, Mike. It is not I know good. This. I know this for a fact, Carl. I love Dave Thomas. Dave Thomas, not only, uh, he wrote a book, like a big coffee table book, and I had to leave it when I moved to San Francisco. I left it on the sidewalk, SCTV. And it just broke down. It was an oral hit. He just talked about the background and the history of the show and, and mm -hmm. how they all met and beforehand. Like, they were making fun of NBC executives. You know how they would parody and, and dress up and satirize yeah. current? One guy Dave Thomas did, was this red-haired lumberjack was a parody of the NBC executive that was meddling in their show. During oh. <laughs> so, I mean, it was funny stuff. So I really like this guy. And uh, sometimes when they direct, like Eugene Levy directed a film with Belzer and it was really bad and you don't hear about it much. But it's so when they hear they directed a movie, I want to see it. He co-directed with Rick Moranis, Strange Brew, the greatest film yes. ever. Yeah. It is a great film. No, Dave Thomas is a very talented individual. He is hilarious. He makes you laugh. This movie is a misfire. And the only Where's guy who doesn't know is Dave can Thomas. I, can I get my Barbie doll back at least? <laughs> That's a good example. Like, you see the Barbie doll up his ass and like, oh, I know this comedy. But then it's going to go on to do serious medical drama. It's going to go on to do love interest story. It's going to do disgusting, like, poop things and human organ things, really gross things. The tone of this film is all over the place. Which is crazy because it's really drab and pedestrian. It's just corridors. I mean, granted, it's a medical hospital where they make fun of, well, you know, not fun, but they're, they're all props, these guys. Well, just we're not the listening to ass. any of it. I mean, you're seeing the visual of corridors, but I mean, there's lots of jokes going on. But it's, yeah, but it's not, there's no pop to it. I mean, I, I watched a couple minutes of this, I grant you. Oh, here we go. I'm sorry that you feel an have to hand over this. That's your decision. Dan Eckford's always the same guy. He's always that guy. But he stopped, you know, he only shows up in cameos. Like the fact that he has a credit in this means that his extended role is great. Yes, we saw is. him in 99. Look at those plugs. Got something to plug, his hair. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything to plug? No, I already plugged it. Yep, plugged away. No, but I'm saying Dan Aykroyd always has the same canter, same tone. He, he, sure, he's doing a different character, but he's reading it in the exact same way. Every single time. I mean, he sounds like... Do you like find Richard that funny? Nixon. Do you, do you yeah. find him... Do you, yeah. So, Dr. Detroit, you thought that was funny? No. No. Uh, <clears throat> nothing but trouble? 
No. Uh, Spies Like Us? No. Uh, Saturday Night Live, Ghostbusters. I mean... Trading he Places. Was, he was very funny in that. Neighbors, he, he had a... They switched the roles. He was the evil one, and Belushi was the milk toast. <laughs> I loved him in Neighbors. Yeah. I saw that in the theater, man. Okay, turn up the time. sound. Oh, you're joke. Hear, right. this... you're, you're going to hear the speaker go, Mike Hunt to OBGYN. Mike Hunt. To... I can't hear it over the music. Yeah, I know. So the thing is, when I heard that Mike Hunt to OGBYN, I started thinking, maybe every time I hear that lady, it's something funny. But it's inaudible. You can hardly oh. hear it. Is that Radar from MASH? So what just happened is she gave him a BJ. Okay, that's what just happened. And that sets us up for our next bit. Uh-oh. Did she swallow? No offense. She certainly did. Oh, I can't believe I missed it. Ew, wash your hands. Gargle and mouthwash. So um, this guy is sort of like our star. His name is Pat Kelly, and he's playing a guy named Dale Dodd. He's totally Canadian, all about Canadian. And she he's a big com comedic partner with another person in this uh, film. He didn't have that great a career, but um, but he did have a nice career. The, the teacher? No, the star. The star. Now, this is um, Dr. Toussaint, okay? And he goes by Tony. And we've seen him before in Meatballs 3. Oh, cool. Was he an angel or a terrestrial human? He was a... Um, motorcycle gang? Right. He was the motorcycle gang guy, and it was pretty funny. Uh, and he's funny in this one, too. Now, when I started reading his credits um it was uh he was in war games and i realized he was the guy who was like mr potato head you know <laughs> yeah right so i, I immediately text eddie deason like is there any funny you know anecdotal story about him so he goes his name is maury uh shaken and he passed away he's totally canadian he says maury was a great guy to work with in war games a bit the bit in our scenes where Maury says, Mr. Potato Head, Mr. Potato Head, Maury wrote that himself. He showed it to me the morning of the shoot, and I loved it immediately. And to this day, I have people call me Mr. Potato Head. He actually, another person, Marty Bratt, actually deleted our scene. But then Marty got fired because the studio didn't like his dailies. But when John, Bad John Badham took over, our scene was one of the only scenes he insisted be kept in the film because of Mr. Potato Head. I had no idea. Oh, that's cool. All right, that's yeah. Eddie Deason. Oh, that's cool, Carl. Yeah, I didn't realize probably, that. Yeah. He will probably do another podcast. I've texted with him and he's like, talk to my agent, but he'll do it. So. All right. All right. All right, the good old microscope. Are they going to cut to the way no, he's saying? Turn it up. Least... Turn it up. No. What? 
what a phantom be doing in your mouth. Oh, it's what a mystery. Oh, that's the callback. Ew, ew. No, just, I just want to confirm. That is very strange. Come look. Look, everyone. <laughs> It's funny, right? What's this thing? Like, I watched this movie a couple minutes because I was like, I love Dave Thomas. I didn't know he made another movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he directed this film. It just seems pedestrian. Like, there's no like, they just did the grossest thing ever, and it doesn't rise. Like, the music weighs it down. This the set weighs it down. It's just oh, not it. a good film, and it's very unfunny many times. Now you consider Dave Foley artist. She's bumping into David Foley, and she's like, that's Dr. Whiteside, the heart surgeon, just like I want to be. Like, you know, how do I look? And he's introducing himself to her, and he's just being a pompous ass. Yeah, let's hear her. Well, I just hope I get the opportunity to work with you on a cardiac surgery. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That sounds like my doctor. Do you know my Dr. Carl, Dr. Vinny Booba. <laughs> yeah. Where, where? Roddy Dangerfield. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> my mom. You would always do a, you, always do a joke like that, like you know. Dr. Uh, and then he he had a special where Andy Kaufman played his doctor. Oh, okay. Uh, look at all that food, Carl. Yeah, lots of it. You like cafeteria food at the hospital? Um, only when there's no other food and you're like, I'm starving and dad's not dead yet. <laughs> That's the greatest part about eating at the hospital is that your mind's on something else. It really doesn't matter what you're eating. You know, you'll be like, well, I can eat my worries away. I'll take two, please. <laughs> or I, I need something just to pick on while I stare out in space. The only people who actually eat the meals are probably the, those guys, the doctors and stuff. There's no patients in there anyway. I have no patients for this movie. <laughs> the only patients you'll see are, no, you'll see many patients. What am I talking about? Now, turn it up. This is a very unfunny thing. Okay, it keeps coming on. Oh, it stopped. It stopped. That was the last line. He had the last laugh. Now, this is actually funny. She's like, are you sexually active? And she goes, no. She goes, no. I'm, I'm, I just lay there. And then he's like, you're pregnant. Do you know who the father is? And she goes, no, who? Oh, that's there's good. There's funny stuff in this, but there's also lots of unfunny things. So much so that it's not a good movie. I was half expecting like a musical. This music is like predominant. Like I still have the hook from the last comedy bit. Do, do, do. 
that bass was like slap. Oh, gross. This is why you should eat afterwards. Now, in this scene, like they're telling him, you got to watch the EKG. And he's like, don't tell me, intern. And then the guy dies, you know. Gotcha. This was shot before COVID, I take it. Because no one's wearing masks. Well, Mike, I wanted to bring that up. Nobody wears a surgical mask during surgery. It's crazy. Now, is this Canadian healthcare at its finest, Carl? Do you want to get on your soapbox about Canadian healthcare? I oh, burns my gullet. What is what's they have universal healthcare? That's good. Yeah, they need except no surgery, uh, no masks during surgery. Uh oh, it's late for surgery. Right, he's supposed to be assisting as an intern, and he's not. Huh. It's very hard for me to watch because that's my father on the operating table. <laughs> on the table. I had to sue. I had to sue Dave Thomas. Now, a lot of people may not recognize Dave Thomas, the actor, and when they hear Dave Thomas, they what think they... Wendy's hamburgers. Oh, okay. Because he was, what, the owner? At least spokesperson? For, for decades, television spokesperson. He was the owner, and his daughter was not a spokesperson, but the the um, logo. Right. He had a lot of charity events. I actually went into a, a Wendy's maybe 30 years ago, and uh -huh. I got a free paperback written by Dave Thomas about the importance of family. And his he does a lot of work with adoptions and stuff like that. He did. Had like a foundation. Uh I don't know. But Just isn't to give he a, shout like a, out. a right wing uh, villain? Was he? I don't I know the story if he wrong. was estranged from his daughter, like him and his daughter didn't talk or something. I don't know the story of when Dave Thomas of Wendy's. I just <laughs> think he's like super conservative and, and, and the left likes to not like him. I think. I think the left didn't like the baked potatoes. They were dry, you know. No, you know, actually, the baked potatoes are the best thing in Wendy's. I like the chili. Yeah. Baconators, eight strips of bacon. Can wow. Imagine? Holy, holy bacon. I know, let's go. Let's go. Oh, he, is the guy dead? Yeah, the guy's way dead. And we saw him trying to get, like, his heart shot back to life. And it wasn't successful. And we got the dumb joke that um mike bonart who's a doctor a doctor's kid that guy uh was getting shocked at the same time you know because the thing was touching him so now our meanie dave uh dave foley has sent him down this intern person to tell the family that uh the, their dad is dead he's still working on the dad no he dropped inside like some sort of clamp or something. He's trying to get it back, and the heart will start beating. He'll come back to life, which is inexplicable. Well, wait a minute. What about the clamp? Did he at least get it back? No, he doesn't get the clamp back. Clamp back. Oh, that's too bad. I mean, yeah, that's good about the life. So he doesn't get paid for this as an intern? He saved this guy's life. 
Well, I think you pay for college, and this is part of college, right? Okay. But at least, you know, the guy could Venmo him some money. Thanks for, for, you know, putting the comments, saving my life. 50 Canadian dollars. <laughs> now, um, he sends him downstairs to stop that nerdy kid from telling the family that the dad is dead. But meanwhile, um, the nerdy kid, who's Mike Bonner in our film, he, he is downstairs telling the wrong family that their dad is dead. Oh, my God. All right, here we go. Well, that's pretty funny. That's National Lampoon-y. Uh, no, let's, paper... let's hear the music. It's music like, do, 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 wah, wah. Do, 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 wah, wah. What a good guess you had, right? The violins. I don't know why my credits of Matt Brewer are not here. I mean, I printed the document. We all know. We've talked about Matt Brewer uh, a lot on this, on this show. He yes, was, of course. And I he, think he is an underserved, like his career was not as good as it should have been. That guy is a funny, funny, funny fucker. And he just didn't get, you would think with Max Headroom, he would go on to do, no, he, he ended up being a Star Trek connection in our bad movie podcast, and he's all over YouTube, right? He got the wrong roles at the wrong times. This guy was is really funny. He should have been a big star. I would argue that he handled that whole Max Headroom phenomenon during the 80s pretty well. The uh -huh. fact that he was, it was originally, what, a BBC show, uh, then it was an ABC show, but it was also spokesperson for a global campaign by coca-cola and he had you know then after the narrative television show ended he had like an interview show uh-huh and uh sang a song with art of noise paranormia and then uh so that's that character you know like some people can just live off of that and done or just you know have it hang I and found he, he had his own sitcom. Remember Doctor Doctor, that horrible show that lasted years. Um, he did have his own sitcom, Doctor Doctor. I found him now. I just I had buried him in my notes here. Max Headroom uh, in '85 and '87 television series of the same name. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, he's not even on on the screen, and we're talking about him. Uh, Mike Stratford in Doctor Doctor from '89 to '91. That's not uh, bad. That's a good run. Wait, I don't understand. I said that he should have been a bigger star, and you're saying he was a bigger star? I mean, he 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 was a lead in a sitcom. He he's a character actor. I, mean, I remember him in Watchmen, two thousand nine, five uh, years from now. So he's our Star Trek connection. He was in an episode called A Matter of Time, and I enjoy it. Enjoyed it. We saw him. Yeah, we already talked about it. National Lampoon's senior trip as Principal Todd Moss, and he was in Going the Distance. Going the Distance. But you mentioned he was in one of the um, Speed Zone. I, I Campbell yeah, I Run sequels. Yeah, I forgot that. Oh, the families were revolting, right? They smell. Yes. They've been sitting there for a long time. Well, he went to two wrong families. 
And then Dr. Foley came into the correct family and said, your, your dad's going to be fine. So they, they're up in arms. Thank God that bit's over. Is the music changing so violent? Ooh, no music. Doesn't it sound better without the music? Um, yes. Mm -hmm. That's another argument about the tone of this film. It's all over the place. So this is like a procedural now, like it's a medical show. Well, now we're learning that they have no professors today. They have to go and pretend like they're real doctors and help patients because they're short-staffed. You see, Dave Thomas made a big deal. I, I read an interview about him with him about this film, and I saw a video, which was an interview with him promoting this film. He went across Canada trying to make this film something. And right. in all of it, he says that this is an indictment of the Canadian medical system. He was saying, like, roads, bridges, highways. We They're all 19... Roads, bridges, highways, hospitals. Like, he starts talking about, like, this 1950s model for things and, and how it just doesn't apply to today and it hasn't been updated. So this is his statement about how hospitals are falling apart. Oh, it's love interest. Sweet. So, you know, not that these guys aren't interchangeable, but they, did they get a blowjob today? That blowjob couple? Yeah, that is not blowjob couple, but the guy on the left got the blowjob. Now, gotcha. that is Pat Kelly in real life. He's Dale Dodd, and he's the womanizer. Dale Dodd. And, right, and he is good comedic partners with Peter Oldring, who was the guy who went and told the wrong family their dad was dead, okay? So gotcha. he is a, like trying to be a womanizer. He came on to the head nurse. He got a BJ from Mitzi. And now he's starting to have a serious relationship with this one. So the thing is, what are you telling me about this guy? Like, is he the womanizer or is he the serious boyfriend? And the film doesn't do any character arc with him. Like, he's the womanizer, but now because of his love for her, he's becoming the serious boyfriend. There's none Which of that. Which is what we would expect. That's a great point because that's what would happen because we just watched him dilly-dally in the, in the aisles. For some reason, I feel like they're going to be selling me something. Like, it has well, a quality of a good commercial. There really is no plot to this film. Rather, there's comedy bit, comedy bit, comedy bit, comedy bit. And then some of the characters have many subplots. So this is like, there's not like a day in the life or like at the end of the day, the hospital has to close and they're racing for something. Well, uh, at the end of the film, uh, as, okay, getting us into act three, uh, the three doctor interns, the three male interns get into a lot of trouble and they're going to get kicked out. But then there was like a bus crash and all these people filled the ER and it was them who like saved the day. One of the people they saved was a billionaire. And so he donates to the hospital a quadrillion dollars cool. and then they're not kicked out because they saved the day. But that's as far as we go for plot, you know. Canadian billionaire. I created ketchup uh, potato chips. 
Right. In Canadian money, he is a billionaire. In American money, he's a high millionaire. Yeah. High millionaire. Billionaire, as McDonald's would say. So now, like, they're going to have to deliver a baby. And remember, they're just students. Although they've been all the way through med school, this is their the final period on the end of a sentence for a doctor to be... No, now you're out in the real world, but with real patients. And so what we're learning is, like, this is their first time being real doctors, and they got to go all the way and be real doctors. So and nobody just, wears surgical masks. I have a bad movie beef, and this is what it... This seems exactly it. Uh -huh. Is that if you're going to do, like, a child being born comedy bit do it at the end of the movie how can you top that how can you top giving birth you can do another hour of show like that should be the finale i okay. you know freddie got fingered whether you love it or hate it he's delivering <laughs> babies 20 minutes into that movie probably why i hate that film honestly but that's just well, like we'll never see the baby born it's just ridiculous. a comedic bit there's no payoff. I'm like, of course we want to see the baby born. Just pay, move on. Have the baby with a cigar and a little hat saying, I did it, you know? Okay, so his mom will come in because she's a, a gynecologist and she will, like, save the woman's life. And then Peter will be mad. You, is it intern mom's visit day? And <laughs> Not that the kid's okay. It's not good. It's not good. I'm sorry I made you watch this three times, two times. Yes, this is my yeah. fourth time, yes. Brutal. <clears throat> they're, they're having cutesy-cutesy love things. There's like, somebody thinks that the bed that four people died in in a row is haunted, and I don't know. It's not good. He's under oh, there. There's Right. Now, in real life, Okay, there we go. It's the music I can't listen to. In real life, she is, her name's Sue Huff, and she's a politici politician from Alberta, Canada. She was the acting leader of the Alberta Party from November 23rd, 2010 to May 2011, and she served as a public school trustee from Edmonton, which is where this is filmed. So now this is, that's, that's great. Talking. Yeah. So maybe because this is government finance, she's in the film. I don't know. But the thing is, this is 2004 be before she became a, like a prominent politician. So I kind of don't get it. Well, is, was she like an actor or a comedian? Maybe she was like one of those comedians who were like had a little politically act and then just moved into politics. Well, when you look her up on IMDb, this is her only credit, and it just talks about her as a politician. And she is like almost exactly my age. That's the only other interesting thing about her to me. Well, that's great that she was giving birth back in 2004, Carl. Way to go. You, yeah. Woo. Oh, that's mom, right? Give me hugs. Yeah, or something like that. Huggy booze. Uh, way to kill the moment. Carl, you gonna just 
talk about the quality of that guy other guys well those guys are there for obviously they had an accident their butts have yeah. cracks right down the middle right down the middle oh finally scene two with the dad that was it our second scene i've seen more scene oh third scene no no he'll be out throughout the film this is no cameo it was oh he'll be in the rest of the movie yeah he'll be in scene 17 scene 19 scene 19a as regulated in the movie canadian film guild he's gonna get it on i'm missing this movie i was well, done with my dan Aykroyd. did you like it very nice michael Thank you. I was impersonating Dan Aykroyd in the movie from 2004. White but I'm serious about Dan Aykroyd. In terms of his acting, he is one note. He's always Dan Aykroyd. Always. Yeah, but there's a certain madness to his method, right? There's a certain, like, ha-ha, the absurdity of life while listening to bureaucratic prattle on while just opposed against supernatural forces. I mean, is there a joke to it? I mean... Some people have a stick that lasts because it, it resonates through your soul. Like there must be something that that clings when you see Dan Aykroyd perform. I mean, I've seen him in hundreds of movies. Dan Aykroyd, he sounds exactly the same. Right, but I'm saying like there must be a reason for that. Like, what is the yeah, point of, of that style? Laziness. Come on, let's act. Be a different but, person. But I'm saying like comedy-wise, there's always like a, a spark that you always like. You watch Mike Myers because he has this something silly about life in him. Great example. Great example. Mike Myers will be right. Austin Powers, but he will be Doctor Evil in the very same movie. 100% different guy. You will see him in all of his uh, Saturday Night Live sketches. He's in the bathtub going, boom, watcher. He's a completely different guy. He's um, uh, party time. Excellent. Right, yeah. He's got range. Range. But, there's, there's, but there's always like a spark. Like you keep coming back because you enjoy the view he has. Like the, there's something comedic that, you know, you see in Adam Sandler, you see in him. What about Dan Aykroyd? There must be a reason why I keep watching his movies. No, it's the same, like, laundry list. So anyway, but, this uh, is funny because they just met in the waiting room, and now they're all kissy-kissy. And then we find out, like, she's got chlamydia and herpes and everything, and so he has to be like, put on the brakes. Oh, the doctor's about to announce it in front of him? I'm here to give you your chlamydia shot. Oh, look at how he wipes his mouth off. <laughs> I just need a hug. Just need a hug. Oh, there's the Jaws music in the background. So that's it. This movie is a series of comedic bits. Oh, I yeah. can't watch this scene. Uh, I invite you, audience, to watch it, but there will be poop all over Peter. Class me bag joke? 
Yes, and I'm not looking right. at the camera. You let me know when it's over. All right, I'll let you know. There's no need for me to uh, do an intro to let you know when it's over. I will. I'll tell you when it's over. Oh my God, it's still not over, girl. Now this was all filmed in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and they're in a real hospital. This hospital was getting sold, and so it was emptied, and the government said. You can have it for this cheap, cheap amount. Now the government gave four and a half Seems million, four and a half million dollars for this film. And the thing is, it was funded one hundred percent by the government. Now, one of the things Dave Thomas was saying in his interviews, both the one I read and saw, is that like in Canada, the government will give you seventy five percent of the budget, but you got to come up with that other twenty five, and that okay. always kills you. You know, trying to find it. So did he ask for like Edna to sponsor this movie or is there product placement? Do they drink like Canadian Coke or something? Canadian club? No, like I just told you, this is one of the rare occasions in which they were able to have it a hundred percent funded. So it was a walk 100%. in the park. Now there was a producer, his name is Josh Miller. He went to Dave Thomas and said, look, I got a way I can get a movie a hundred percent funded, but you got to come up with the movie. So. Dave Thomas had in his mind this a long time ago, but it was going to be a TV show. And then Scrubs came out and he was like, ah, God damn it. So right. this guy came to him and said, hey, movie. And that's why he threw this together. They are on a date in, she said, I'll go on a date with you, but only if we're working, which I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. So this is the date. And he's got wine, and she's softening up and really liking him. And when you that. mentioned Scrubs, this movie I could see it in a different light. Like it, mm -hmm. it makes it a little bit more watchable, I guess, if I kind of view it like that. Okay, so Dave like Thomas wanted to do a t a sitcom like yeah, yeah, and and this movie was what ended up happening when he when when Scrubs came out, he was just like, I'm not even gonna bother. So. This was uh, released as White... Okay, this was going to be White Coats. That was the title that um, Dave Thomas wanted. And when it was released on DVD in the United States, they went with the name White Coats. Okay. But in Canada, the marketing people were like, White Coats isn't funny. It doesn't let you know it's a comedy. Let's make it called Intern Academy intern academy and they did it because of the police academy movies they right. thought it would subliminally make you think it was a comedy well i i actually went to intern academy and then when i was done i had learned the tools to become an intern uh-huh yeah so i'm actually I, i'm really in the hole i didn't really think this through because i have to i have loans from intern academy and then my internship doesn't cover it so now um, we're getting another comedic bit in which she's like, I need a blood, urine, and stool sample. And he's like, what? What? And then the wife goes, she needs your underwear. That's a good now, joke. Now we have a sex bit in which she's like not there for OGBYN stuff. But he's – and she's like, don't leave. She gets all horny. Uh is this the same room they shot it in? Every I scene? I don't know. They had a whole oh, hospital. 
Okay, now here's the maid, and she's unplugging life support so she can plug in her vacuum. Uh. It's just another comedic bit. I What our title is let us watch a full length movie. Sometimes movies you can't watch by yourself, even though you had watched this. Now they think they're finding the ghost. And then they find because the she keeps unplugging it. Right. So we find out that it's been her. She's killed three or four people by unplugging their life support while she vacuumed. She's the night nurse. Remember, like the killer who like kills people in their night, in the night. Sister of Mercy, Nurse of Mercy. Well, is she going to go to jail? Or are we going to watch that? Well, like they're going to take her to Dan Aykroyd to like. She doesn't speak English. She speaks Russian. Uh, is he going to speak Russian back to her? Well, that'll be the joke. Uh, but I already I saw it coming. So it's the middle of the night. You see, Dan Aykroyd never leaves the hospital. He lives there. A problem. This sounds like Spanish to me. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't sound like Russian. But wait till you hear him talk. It's clearly Russian. You understood her? Of course I understood her. I don't hire people I don't understand. I go to the Ukraine a couple of times a year, bring back a dozen of them, help them get their landed immigrant status. Go back, get a dozen more. Call it a, an internship for cleaning ladies. She knows what you did wrong. Oh my God. You okay, go on. Let's have some ice water. You understood that, didn't you? Huh? Of Dan Aykroyd, scene three, doing a count. <laughs> now, this, this guy, guy, here's Matt Frewer, and turn it up because he's like, it's funny. All right. I was just going to say, this might be the most recent film I've seen Dan Aykroyd in, 2004. Uh-huh. Now, we saw, now, I, I meant for you to turn it up at this earlier. Never mind. Um, Dan Aykroyd, we saw in Diamond with Kurt. 1999. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that and was five years prior. He did Gross Point Blank that year. Um, right. And he was a member of the Order of Canada in 1999, which is the second highest honor for, of like, it's kind of like being knighted or something. So he's Sir Dan Aykroyd in Canada? No, they don't go by sir, but it's like that same sort of prestigious government award. OBE, eh? OBE. Yeah. We're going to start with me. No. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy there's no music to it, but this, I'm telling you, the, the direction, and maybe it's just because they had to get it in and get it out, it's just back and forth, right? Yeah. Like little visual yep. ping pong. It's just a lot of not funny stuff, and like, like, um, 
Mitzi will say to, um, okay, let's see here. I got her. Um, her name's uh, Christine Lee in the movie, Jane McLean. She's the Asian one there. She'll go, Mitzi will go, do I look Amish with this hairstyle? It's like a lot of unfunny jokes. Do you feel that when people crank out movies and they appear on like Film Rise or what have you, that there's a certain genre they need to hit? So if it's action, they have certain action points, and this is like the best we could do for comedy. Like, if you're gonna crank out a comedy, it's not gonna really elevate more than this. I mean, they they shoot the scenes, they get in, they get out. Yeah, but Dave Thomas does not consider I'm gonna just crank out some movie. He it was all the 100% behind this. This was his baby. He thinks this is a work of art. It has a lot of heavy hitters. I mean, I love Dave Thomas. You know, I don't know. I, I can't I can't defend it. It's not funny. It, nothing really happens. There's no... Well, they said confused they were going to get their ass whipped at the end of the film. I got that. <laughs> so, um... There's something funny which he'll consider racist because it is. Uh, he has Peter do the surgery, and then um, Christine Lee is like, I'll do it. And he goes, Hold on, Miss MSG. Got it. You, you heard it at the perfect time. He called him Doogie Hauser. Well, that's not fair. Doogie was a lot younger than he was. Oh, I get it. <laughs> that is true. That's you as like a. I could see you like. I could see myself knowing me as a comedy host, me as a doctor. Like, right, all right, your next doctor coming on to perform. <laughs> you know, he's a good writer. Give it up for what does he mean by good writer? Now I can't concentrate. Now he is. Um, we're going to see a disgusting throw up in the cadaver scene now. All right. And I won't be watching. I've already seen a man covered in shit, a baby being born, and we're not even an hour into this film. Right. Well, now he's going to Ralph into Ralph's chest. I don't think I've ever seen that before in my life. Well, someone put something hard on the chest today. <laughs> I'm not watching. Well, there's a continuity error, obviously, around his face. Oh, you stopped watching. Now, there were working titles for this film. It was called An Intern's Diary, and that was because we had the voiceover. You know right. White Coats. That's the one they ended up with. And... Um, in Italian, when this film was released, it was La Papital to Sexy del Mundo, which is the sexiest hospital in the world, which I don't think is appropriate. I don't know. That cadaver looks pretty hot. Look at that nose. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have you, to disagree with you on that. Did you, you do nose jokes? You nose organs. Yes. Well, he's not doing a nose joke, but but... Now they those, those are good jokes are awful. The the setup was this cadaver's unidentified, so we can do whatever the fuck we want with them. And then they're like, they've identified the cadaver's family. And oh, they're there right there. Yeah. The kids. 
And the body's covered in puke, Carl? Yes. With no nose, nose cut off. Do you think he has like a Joel McHale kind of like acting style? I don't know who that is. Uh, he was in stuff. Oh yeah, uh, he's in an I animal. See what you're saying. Yeah. Now Dave Thomas will just rib Peter. You know, I don't yeah. know what's worse: puking in a cadaver or telling the wrong family that. You... He said, um, you should go to, um, you should be a doctor at a, like a Christian science center or a man. Oh, that's clever. I haven't heard that one before, says every Christian scientist. The worst so part about like, hurting, oh, go ahead, Carl. Right. Well, it doesn't matter. It never pays off. There's no plot throughout this whole film. All right, well, I was going to make a Christian scientist joke, but I, I think I uh, I won't. So Finally, strip club. Saying, like, you should go out and take your mind off of it. So they all go to this Edmonton strip club. And uh, that's what we'll see. Where they, they're fully dressed? You didn't want that. I, they don't use the same ratings we do here in the States. He said, I'll get an R rating in the States, but I don't want an X rating. But the point of this scene is we'll find out that Mitzi is a stripper at night because she's oh. everything sexy, sexy in this whole film. Well, isn't that the old canard that you have to strip your way to, to medical school? She She will say that. She'll say that to Peter. She'll now get into a serious relationship with Peter, and that'll be the thing. She's doing this to get through med school. So now they're just bumping into Mitzi, not realize, you know, finding out she's a stripper, and she's really good. And there's six people on stage, and now she's going to be like, wait a minute, these one-third of my audience are my coworkers? Right. I didn't notice it till now. And so she'll be embarrassed, just like she was with the sperm in the mouth. She'll run away. Peter! Peter? Hi, Missy. What? what? Co-workers! Clip, 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 clip. Oh, heels make you run so silly. Yeah, let's rewind that. So now, once again, we'll have not funny stuff in which Peter tries to prove that, like, like trying to make, I don't know, take away the embarrassment, he'll start stripping. Oh, that's terrible. Is she on the poster? They walked into a strip club and didn't see Naughty Nurse. There's Naughty Nurse, yeah. Oh, man. This is the most awkward bachelorette party I've been to. This bachelor is, party. Um, look, he'll start taking off his clothes to... Try to make I don't know it's dumb, and then but they've already they've already did it right. Like, is he trying to flirt with her? No, she had she gave a blowjob to Peter. Uh, oh. Wait, am I backwards here? Hold on a second. Pat Kelly is who we're watching. Dave, yeah, right. This is Pat Kelly, who's Dave Dodd. No, no, Pat Kelly's the womanizer one, and this is Peter Olring, who's the 
nerd one with Dr. Parents. And so she gave a BJ to Pat Kelly, and now she'll sleep with, they'll become the boyfriend of Peter Ulrich. And the joke will be, he's got a huge uh, dick. He's got a huge dick. That's all right. That's what's coming. I bet. That's what she said. <laughs> now, you Chris... said... Go ahead, Carl. Please. Well, now, Chris, he will inspire Christine Lee to hit the girl. She'll, she'll incorrectly put it in her butt. The stripper will freak out. And then uh, Marlon will give her a bunch of money. And she goes, if you keep these Benjamins coming, you can put your whole fist in there. And they'll go, ew, I'm out of here. And they'll all leave. All right, well, this movie got interesting. Is it? This might be the American X-ray version. Also, it's American money, right, Carl? Yes. So is this America? No, it has no value in Canada. Actually, I guess this is America. I don't know. I never even thought about it. There you go. Fist in my ass. We're out of here. Right. Exactly. Way to walk a room. So now we'll see his huge dick. And that'll be another hilarious comedic. You see the candle that looks like a dick? She's all about sex, this girl. Well, that looks like one of those uh, water carriers, whatever uh-huh. you drink from. What's what? the drink? What's in it? It's Pink lemonade uh, and lemonade. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So Not when his dick gets exposed, uh, Peter will be like, you think I'm a freak? Like, the joke is, he thinks, like, having a big one means you're weird and people won't like you and and she okay. likes Yeah, and she has a stripper pole for practice in her room. Yeah, and she's telling a story about how when somebody moved out, they just left it. I don't know. Is it funny? It explains why it's there. Oh, boy. I cannot wait till next episode because we'll be watching a different film. This movie really wore you down, huh? <laughs> is this it? Is this the one that broke your back? Well, the first time I saw it, I was like, this is not good at all. And then the second time I saw it, I was like, this is not good at all. But but by the time I'm getting to you seeing it, I'm like, oh, this is such yeah. a like, We watched a few films on Film Rise. They have a couple of gems yeah, in there, but that's right. for the most for the most part, like they just grab whatever they can and, and a lot of times it's just things that was released or wasn't released or was released somehow on somewhere, but it wasn't like, and then it shows up in film rise. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some very funny things in this film, but, but they're in between the not funny things. So, right. and, and, and you do that to me and then you don't give me a plot at all. What's the adventures of? So now right, she's discovering the dick, and this is what he's been scared of. What's wrong with you? Oh, oh, that? Don't, don't make fun. Don't make fun. Don't make fun. Get that camp off of me, get that thing. What? Oh. Oh. Same sound I make. Oh, oh there you God. go. Full frontal. You think I'm a freak? <laughs> oh, 
Really? Super freak. But in a good way. Very good way. Oh. Now, this scene is one of the few times they're not in the hospital. And yeah, that's true. When I first saw it, I started thinking to myself, he has a very nice apartment filled with very nice things. How is it? Okay, now we have the Christmas party and two things will happen. Um, Cindy Lee here will be encouraged to drink and she will drink way too much and she'll get crazy. Okay. The only other thing is Marlon will sleep with the head nurse and she's a great actress in the scene pretending... I'll ask you to turn up the sound at that point because she really should win an Oscar for her, her, you just believe her. It's just a good, it's a good acting. In my All right, here she goes. Drink one. A different it person. the other one. Going to be the actress I was talking about. The head nurse. What's in there? Oh my God. I wouldn't say this movie is long, but didn't this film start during the Halloween? <laughs> what? I mean, it's already Canadian Christmas. Um. What? Okay, so this film is like the last uh, semester of a doctor's life, and it Dave Thomas actually talked about that. That means it goes over the Christmas break, or the last year, so there's two semesters. So they got to do the Christmas party, and he was really happy about that because he was like, there's a lot I could do with that, and I did. So this is the middle of the movie then because it's yeah. in between semesters? Yeah, well, they don't, they're don't. they not so good like that to be that. This there's, there's about 40 minutes left in this film. Christmas with the Cranks, was that, that a Dan Aykroyd? Was that, maybe that was after this. Maybe that's the most recent Dan Aykroyd film I've seen. Let's see. Now, my Dan Aykroyd stuff is limited in my research because you He's know I'm so wet, right. So I just have, like, that he was a member of the Order of Canada, that he was in Diamonds, which we saw, um, I don't know. In 99, yeah. he was in Gross Point Blank. I have that written down. Why? Why? I don't know. It was a good role. He was funny in that. That's that's when his listing listing banalities of bureaucracy while they murder people is funny because it's a ironic contrast. <laughs> yeah. He wanted him to be in a union. Right. Yeah. All for healthcare, and they would always sing popcorn. Memorable. Oh. So now they're introducing the band, and he goes. Dr. So-and-so, uh, Dr. Blah-Blah-Blah on base. And he goes, and for a limited time from intensive care, you know, and he says this patient's, you know, the drummer. He's doing Stephen Strange. This is what happened right before the accident. In this right, place. he went to a pompous party and he drank uh, drank up and he talked about his hand surgery mm. and then he got an accident where his hands got damaged and then shaky, he went... Yeah, they were super shaky. But Dave Foley won't have that. Uh, he'll just... It's just more of him being a pompous ass. That's all. He, he does that throughout this whole film. 
and the comeuppance is... She won't get any comeuppance. You see, this intern, like, hates him for his conceit. And then they're going... Now, she was in Senior Trip, too. She played a woman, a girl named Candy in Senior Trip. And I don't notice her from it. Her career was really... I don't know. She was in Stargate SG-1 in 97. She was in a bunch of stuff, but it's not impressive. Uh, in 2010, she was Lori Unger in the HBO Canada series Living in Your Car. Um, wow. I thought that was a documentary. Psychotherapist Dr. Laura Keating in Sci-Fi's film, you know, in 2006. Uh he has lots of credits, and none of them distinguish her. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, they got the last laugh on her, too. Look, he's, uh, now those are those the guys, guys we saw earlier, so they're still right. showing their butt off. Now we're getting, like, she's super drunk, and she's going to get more super drunk, and then she'll start stripping. Did she just order a martini, and the guy's like, no problem. Right, and she goes, two more, please, and he goes, no problem. No problem. Here you go. Just happen to have two martini glasses filled to the eye there. <laughs> you, you sure you want a martini or the punch? The punch okay. is right on the Turn counter. Turn it up. This is very good. She's a very good actress. Her name's Linda Boyd, and she's been in a bunch of stuff. Leave up the sound. Leave up the sound. What a good actress. <laughs> Leave it up. <laughs> That's it. That's it. It was a tittle. Oh, yeah. Jeez, oh, um... There's more. They were both in I Spy together. Now, would I Spy the movie version that came out in the 2000s, a, a TV version that came out rec more recently? or This was the Eddie Murphy star vehicle in 2002. It was a movie, and yes. uh, it was like his big break. That was the film that – that was his like highest, most successful film. Nowadays, he's in Hallmark movies. But um, well, That's a step up from this film. Oh, she is tripping. <laughs> I guess it is. Let's see her. Now, I want to hear the Ian Thomas strip music. About a girl. She was in Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift. I bet you love that. Um, sure. If I can remember it. She was in, for six seasons, she was on a CBS uh, a TV show called Republic of Doyle. Right. I remember those six seasons. The Canadian broadcasting system? I think it was a re just regular TV. She was on Thin Ice with Diane Keaton. She's the Man in 2006. Wow. Final Destination, An Unfinished Life, About a Girl. I must have seen her in all these films. Yeah, but the thing is, she's like one of those people who plays, like she played Jennifer Lopez's boss, Owen Wilson's confidant, right. you know, Leslie Nielsen's wife. She's like always the... The one you don't notice. I mean, you like her in the film, but you don't walk away thinking about her, you know. I'll remember the scene. 
Now, Viv, who's the African-American guy there, uh, yeah, he was, in 2002, he was in I Spy. He was in Are We There Yet? And the, you know, he was in Hot Tub Time Machine, but the little Great. part. Uh, the Thaw with Val Kilmer. She, he was on Netflix Lost in Space as just one of the colonists. Um, but nowadays he's in Hallmark films. Yeah, a step up. I mean, uh... So now, like, they're all hung over, and so the nurse is giving them, high, you know, IVs to hydrate them. Oh, this is ridiculous. This movie never ends, Carl. It's like I a know, runaway it train. Doesn't, it doesn't, and it's not going to get better. But our third act will be full of medical drama and emergencies, and that will kind of give us the vibe like it's a good film for a quick second. How do you handle movies like this, Carl? I mean, okay, I just I mean, got my ad I was telling you about. Did you get one? Okay. No, not yet. What should I do? Go ahead, girl. Oh, nothing. Okay, my ad's over already. It was one of those seven second ones. I think the audience is somehow going to get off with us, and I'm so sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, watch it on YouTube. Watch it on YouTube. I'm at 106023. Or, uh, one of I'm at 105. Darn it! Tell me again your time. 106, 13. Okay. Tell me when you're at 23. Okay. Sounds good. 20, 21, 2, 23. Okay, I am back in sync with you. Great. Yeah, they're all leaving the table and they left. Well, because Marlon was being a real sexist pig, like. You were dancing naked and I missed it. Let me see your titties. And she's like, fuck you, Marlon. And they leave. And, and then sexy girl is like, oh, the girls are leaving. I guess that means I have to leave with them. And so she but gets she up and leaves. Show? Yeah. She's like, okay, I'll show. Oh, no, they're leaving. I won't. This movie is great, Carl. What a great pick. I yeah, think. what a great movie. Now we're getting a segment in which everyone's sleepy, tired from being overworked, and that will be our segment. And it doesn't no. lead anywhere. It doesn't do anything. They got folders. Oh, what a nice kiss. Here you go. Time to make the donuts. Well, so, over. Look at that hand. That's the joke. Oh, what more? Uh. <laughs> same so room. Just getting it over and over and over and over. It's the same room, Carl. They only yeah. shot in one room. Now she goes, I need someone to look at my breasts. Sometimes okay. it's funny. Most of the time, it is not funny. You're jealous of the head wound guy at this point. <laughs> at least he's delirious. We comedic bit, comedic bit. Here comes another comedic bit. Well, I, you know, I don't know if you know. I went to pre. I was pre med intern. Oh, were you? Yeah, I, I learned how to be a pre med intern. It's really interesting. Uh-huh. They get paid. Oh. 
post face. Lots of funny, I'm sleepy. Okay, now he goes, there's a guy with an erection. And so they're, you know, like one of those Viagra too long erections. So they're like, I'll take the erection. That's standing attention. They've been the same sleepy people, right? We've seen the same people sleeping in different locations. Yeah. Oh my God, this film. Yeah, I know. So now we find out that, okay, this nurse, her big plan, her name's Carly, by the way, and she's in Hallmark movies nowadays, but she had a bit of a career. Carly Pope is her name. And she was in The Collector. She was in Suits. She was in Arrow. And nowadays she's in Hallmark. But she set us up before, like, she was going to be a nurse in Kenya. Then she was going to move on to be a nurse in, uh, she mentioned someplace in Europe. Uh, she was going to travel the world as a nurse. And she got her papers or whatever to go to Africa. But now she's like, but I kind of love you. So... We're going to get a whole not Good. moving romance thing here. Carl, are you a fan of those 70s movies about night nurses? You know, like the know. nurses. I don't know. It, it was Samuel Z. Arkoff. It was like these. Roger Corman made a series of New Line Cinema films where it was like the naughty nurses. And there was also stewardess <laughs> movies. But it was a kind of a formulaic film where... I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I guess I was not a fan of those. I don't think I've ever seen even one. I don't think I've seen any of them. You know, the like, naughty I've seen the night Yeah. By day, they're stewardess. By night, nurses. They have sex. Um, right. Dave Thomas, one of the serious bugaboos, pet peeves of Dave Thomas is... Like, other countries make a movie, and then they send it to the United States. But what Canada does is it sends all its talent to the United States, and the movies are made in the U.S. You know, he was like, we need to make movies here in Canada and then release them in the U.S. if we're going to have a serious film industry. I don't think the government made Jim Carrey move to the United States. No, L.A. did. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's opportunity in the States. So that's what Dave Thomas is saying. What we need to do is have a strong um, industry and let our movies be shown in the States. Now, um, he's complaining. He, I already told you the thing, like, the government will give you 75%. you got to come up with the other 25%. That's right. really wrong. He also says that the government funds the making of the film, the distribution of the film, but they don't fund the marketing. So he got called to court to speak in front of the Canadian government. Why was this film a flop? And it, he had to say, because you guys don't market it. You've spent $250,000 on marketing. That's nothing. He says, you might as well put those into savings bonds and give them to your kids. You'll make more money that way. Really, the he, government held a trial. Why was your movie not popular? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, uh, piece of shit. I don't know. Rude. Uh, uh, exterior okay. shot, hanging out in the chairs, feet on the chairs. Usual hospital stuff. I'm so sick of this hospital and their Apple products. Yeah, That's an old well, school computer. Oh, yeah, it's Apple. 
the actual hardware is in that dome. You just press a button on the dome and it lights up your, your monitor. Cool. Cool. This hospital they were going to demolish, huh? Uh, no, there, it was being sold. So it was oh, empty yeah. until it was after the sale. And so they got an opportunity. Great. That explains uh, Dave Thomas's other movie, Chaos at the Sausage Factory, uh, The Lunatics of the Abandoned Library, Inanimate. <laughs> uh, Ontario Fire Station hijinks before demolition. I wanted to find for you when he was in front of the. Uh, Canadian government defending himself, but I can't seem to find in my notes. That seems like such a low blow to be uh, an artist, write and direct and star in a movie, and then you get money from the government and then have to go and explain to the government why it's a piece of work, a piece of art. Yeah, it wasn't successful. Oh, look at all the organs. How awful. Oh, yeah, we're going to have an awful scene now. We're going to have Peter find out um, that um, uh, uh, that Mike got a blowjob. Not Mike. Whatever. Peter, he got a blowjob from, from Sexy Girl. And then he's going to freak out about it, and they're going to start throwing organs. Oh. at each other and that will kind of get him kicked out of school and that will lead us into our third act where they save the day and don't get kicked out uh if they're gonna be organ grinders at least they can have the little monkey <laughs> in 2005 writer director dave thomas testifying to the canadian politicians at the house of commons in ottawa blamed the failure on the movie because tva films mishandling of the marketing campaign they spent $250,000 on television advertising. It's about 20 spots. Right. It is nothing for a broad-based commercial movie. You might as well save the money. You might as well put it in bonds and give it to your children. The Research House Decima surveyed Canadians, and 90% had not even heard of the film. So he's got a point. He's got a point. You do three... You do two legs of this three-legged table. You don't market the film, and then you want to blame. Okay, now I'm going to stop watching because they're doing. I'll let you know when this is over. Thank is my you. First... Hey, what am I, chop liver? <laughs> what am I, whole liver? They're throwing hearts at uh, each other. I've heard of kidney stones passing, but this is ridiculous. Like kidney passing? No. It's ridiculous. There's lots of Jane Doe cadavers over the years, and they he's got a dead body as a human shield. Oh, and uh, they're basically throwing away years of research here because you can't use these organs anymore. Oh, here comes here comes Dave Thomas ready. Yep. And he's like, what the fuck? Uh-oh. Oh, this guy. Yep. Now, this guy is Sam Rubinick, and he plays the father. Um, 
you know, we saw the mother, and now the mother's a gynecologist. Now, I was introduced this to this guy by um, Frazier. He was like a character on Frasier for a time, but he was also I loved him in Unforgiven. He would write the comic books. Wait, Unforgiven the 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 Clint Eastwood westerns. Yes, he was sold as a novel. Like I'm a writer, and they would always say, "What letters and such?" And you go, "No books." And then you would see the book as a comic book. Oh, gotcha. It's been a while. So he was in Against All Odds. He was in Wall Street. He was in Bonfire of the Vanities. He was in Nixon and True Romance. He's been out there. He is sure, totally Canadian. Now this is interesting. He was born in a refugee camp in Germany, where his father ran a Yiddish repertoire theater company so he comes from a strong like jewish theater tradition and he was raised in ontario and he um and he kept up that tradition canadian broadcasting corporation actor when he was young So basically, they find out they're going to get expelled for fucking around with the organs. And so the father is there to, like, do a payoff and save his son. So the son is like, fuck that, I quit. But right. then there's, like, an emergency bus crash, and everyone's in the ER. So he forgets that he quits and just goes down to help because he's helping people. And that will save the day, and we're heading into our third act. But don't get under the illusion that we're out of here yet. This is just our no, setup. No, I have of no delusion. Stuff. Trust me. Even though you're telling me the third act is coming, that means we're still in the second act. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So he's playing hardball with them. Like, you guys, if you guys take the blame and let my kid go, I'll make sure that you still have careers in medicine because I'm a powerful motherfucker. Look at my eyes! Uh, to which, yeah, in the end, Marlon will be like, look in my eyes. He goes, okay, we won't be doctors, but we'll always be men. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I wish there was a sequel, White Coats 2. Why? The day after. <laughs> Why stop? We did, Why... we did it. We did it. He didn't have any. What are you talking about? It was my fault. I started it. reek of like all uh organs look at my eyes yeah don't they reek of blood and hey how come they we don't see the splatters on them and stuff they must have changed the scrubs don't yeah, mention the word scrubs in front of director dave thomas though a little sensitive it was my idea first scrubs now, what I don't get is they go out into the hall and they agree to do the deal. Then they come in and do the deal. And then when they're on the on their way out, they're like, we're not doing the deal. It doesn't make any sense how it flipped. There's no story otherwise at this point. There is no story. What we're doing here is making a brand new story so we can have a third act. That's what we're doing. Right. That's what they're doing. What's supposed to happen in a film is there's a hero, and this hero wants a goal. And then, by the end of the film, 
he's decided he doesn't want that goal anymore. He wants something bigger and better, like love or um, your integrity, something like that. But that doesn't happen in this film. We don't get set up with the goal, and then in the end, we just get comedic bits, and then we get a setup for sec three. He goes, I'm still cashing this check. He goes, you idiot, I'll just cancel the check. He goes, is there no integrity? Oh, back hanging out at the commissary. Yeah, and he goes, I've quit. Now, I forget what it is. I think it's a bus crash. Why don't you turn it up and we'll hear what is it's, the... Wait a minute. He's going to quit in the commissary and then they're going to be like, hey, guys, there's a bus crash? Right, right. Who cares about your dad? <laughs> what do you want to do first? Go get drunk or register for welfare? Huh. Why not both? Out and he's quitting. Now, look, she is weird. She's like, what's the big deal, guys? She's like completely inappropriate and has no payoff. Did she just say, let's get laid? I'm not following it. Yep, yep. It's bad writing. She's like out of left field saying, what's the big deal, guys? Well, and then this scene will end with Radar getting on the phone, paging Mike Hunt. <laughs> Bus crash. What about okay, Dr. Mike Hawk? Do you like him? Well, I 76 it. car pile up, according to the. Oh, uh, okay. That's what it was. So it was a bus and 75 other vehicles. I guess so. 75 car pile up. They're all coming in. <laughs> That's a lot of fucking people. Jesus Christ, 76 car pile up? How is that possible? I see one car hitting another car, and then maybe a and third another. car hitting it's like that an car. Accordion. Well, like in Grand Theft Auto, when you throw like a grenade in the freeway. So now we're not going to get a series of comedic bits. We're going to get a series of serious bits in which they're saving this one, they're saving that one. And the tone of our film is completely, well, not, it's always been all over the place, but they will continue the tradition of having the tone of the film all over the place. Cause now they're, um, that show ER instead of Scrubs. But doesn't this film deserve to have the ER moment? Like any kind of comedy, they need this gravitas to kind of No, show. it does not deserve, no. You have a film, the film has a tone, and you play out your... Otherwise, you confuse your audience, and you make them feel emotionally weird. Huh. No, but I mean, imagine if you were watching The Notebook, and then there was, a, like, a, a Surf 2 kind of gross-out scene. It, they don't go! You need a I, warm yeah. tone to your film. In order for the audience to be satisfied. Turn it up. You'll hear no jokes. Go ahead. Turn it up. Boop, do, do. 
That is hilarious. He gets like that's cool. Like they get to do the doctor bit. Oh, remember that scene where he threw up on and dropped the clamp in there? Not yes. happening. This no mask. No mask. No mask. They don't have time, Carl. They have gloves. I think I've oh, man. I can about this film. This is interesting. There's a woman, I don't know who it is. Her name's Ray Rochelle Lowen, but her right. credit in the script is Buxom Nurse. That's her character. Oh, well, God yeah. bless. Uh, Mike Barnard, Peter Oldring. He was in Deep Impact. He was in Infinite. He was in... He played Farrah Fawcett's gay assistant in the television film Hollywood Live. Wife, wife. I'm, I'm, I'm. I think I'm done telling you about this. Okay. Oh, Carl, let's let's talk about movies we like that take place in hospitals. Okay. Uh, can I recommend a movie? Yes. It's called Britannica Ho Hospital. I saw it with my father. It was an early '80s film about uh, a hospital as a parody of British hospitals. Okay. It had Malcolm McLaren, uh, Dowell. It had uh, uh, Mark Hamill. Uh, was in it and it was like a day of the life and this doctor was creating like a genesis uh project and these people wanted to tear it down and it was really funny like that movie i like this is no britannica hospital i can't find a pen to write it down so i'm gonna put it in my cell phone should i see okay. it you're yeah. suggesting yes britannica it, uh, it's a really and it's all over the place, but it never stops being funny, and it never stops being a, a satire and a really sharp parody. Like, because they have all these different classes, you know, it's a British class comedy uh, parody. It's just really funny. There's a strike in the hospital. The rich people get better treatment. You know, there's a now DJ. We find, now we find out that Dan Aykroyd is not, he's a PhD, not a doctor. They're like, good thing you're here, doctor. You got to help. And he goes, I'm a doctor like Dr. Phil is a doctor. I am not a crook. Now, Carry On films, there was Carry On Nurse. I never saw it, but apparently that's another hospital film. Yeah, sure. Uh, Young Doctors in Love, Gary Marshall parody of uh, soap operas from the early 80s. One right. of the first ABC motion picture movies. Now, here we have a moment of comedy. She goes like, she's like, am I going to die? And he goes, well, actually, there is a 7% chance in this procedure you will die. And then, the, you know, Mitzi is like, you're not going to die. <laughs> that is, ew. Yeah, and they don't give you any warning. Oh, what a mistake, Carl. What a big boner that was. <laughs> what the? Wow. You've got a huge boner, but not in a good way. Good news or the bad news? Good news, Doc. Well, that's on the back. You've got a boner. <laughs> that bone marrow is delicious, though. Mm, roasted. Mm. I can't watch this scene. All the other stuff I can watch. Shit well, on the guy, no problem. Serious medical stuff now. That's you know, you do this, go get that, you help her, you. And then, 
they're going to make it worse that there is a car crash right outside of the ER. And Dave oh. Thomas is laying on the ground. Oh, no. Now they've so got to help. Yeah. Are you sure it's just not his acting? <laughs> Lifeless. Oh. All right, look, they're shaking hands. Well, no, they're saying we've got to get past this. You gave Mitzi, Mitzi gave you a blowjob thing, so you have to pray with me. And he's like, dear God, don't let Mitzi give any more blowjobs. Always on Mitzi's expense. Speaking of polls, oh, they get. Maybe the crash wow, this is cool. right now. This is like having your own hospital to shoot in. This is where it comes cool. They can go through the front doors, the emergency doors. Yeah, right. The ambulance behind it. Now watch. Here it comes. Here it comes. Because Dave Thomas just walked outside, so it's probably going to happen right now. Oh, wait. Ooh, turn, this up. turn this up. This is really funny. Will I ever see you again? <laughs> that was funny. Well, yeah, you turned it up just a little late because she says some, like, badass stuff, you know? Oh, I got and, you. Yeah, and he, like, falls for her. Will I ever see you again? Wait, what happened to this guy? He got a skiing? He's got a ski pole in his chest. And because he was on the car and it went into, oh, there's the crash. And he ends up being a billionaire who's going to fund the hospital. Oh no, is this the end of Wendy's? <laughs> That's that burned him. When you insult someone, it's called a burn, right? Like, you, yes. you, oh, you got burned. Burn. So when they ha show a random burn victim at the beginning of the film, my joke was that someone must have really insulted them. Oh, that's what your joke was. Because they were a burn victim. What a burn. <laughs> but I regret it. I'm bringing it up now because that person actually got burned, Carl. No, I'm no, making light that of that. was a script. It was an actor. Oh, it was, it was in the movie. script. He was like, here's a random burn victim. So Peter takes charge now and goes, he's not the only patient in this hospital let's go well i'm all out of patients personally oh yeah me too don't worry we're ending okay now they've got it under control they have taken the 76 car pileup victims and now who comes in but dave foley at the last minute thinking that it's just a normal day so he's gonna be a dick uh who authorized you to operate on this person? Why do I feel like these conversations happened while I was in surgery? Right? Like, come on, man. I don't want to see this. Tie him up. So now they're going to uh, pretend Dave, um, Dave Thomas's voice. Who authorized oh. this? He goes, I did, sir. Who said that? Is that Dave Thomas? Prove it. He goes, she goes, fuck you. He's like, what? Oh, yeah, come up and he had to watch him pull this shit the entire movie. And now finally she gets to right. speak her mind. And she goes, scrub up and help us close. And she goes, how dare you? 
He goes, oh, you want a piece of me? So now they have it out, and you think this is it, but no, they start making out. Oh my god. <laughs> Cardiac surgeon, if you're dead! Ow! Carl, here's my reaction shot. Ooh! Yeah! It's very important in comedy to cut to the people go, ouch, that could have hurt. Oh. Now, if this film was funny, it would be good, even though it has so many flaws and it's plotless. This was a story arc. They hated each other throughout the entire movie. They built each other, but they're really in love with each other. Yes, Mike, you're right. I'm wrong. This film does have story arcs. <laughs> See, Carl? What were you thinking watching this four times? So now... Well, my first... <laughs> right, without the sound. So yeah. now they've saved the day and they're getting recognized and they're not fired and... He quit, though. Oh, look, he turned out to be a billionaire, and he made a large donation to this right. hospital. You know the guy with the ski pole in his chest? Good Dan Aykroyd got to say a bunch of words. Go. Okay, Carl, you can stop clapping. No, keep clapping. No, they stop clapping. Long clap. So now we get a sexy thing with Dave Thomas and the nurse. Like, you know, when I was giving you mouth to mouth, I think you slipped me the tongue. He goes, well, that was an involuntary muscle spasm. He goes, well, if you ever have an involuntary muscle spasm again, I don't mind. Because that's good to know. These are Ooh, movie title, movie title. Okay, Intern Academy, let's go. Right, so now it's all coming in a circle. It's the new inter. Those guys are still walking around. Luckless. That's not the right Can word. you believe it? I'm shaking my head. I can't believe it. Hey! Yeah, it's over. So now we get outtakes, which films that are good do. Meanwhile, it's like produced by the government. Carl, what'd you think of this movie? Um, I I I didn't like it. Um, I didn't like it. I was glad to see it, and I'm a Dave Thomas fan. I'm a Dan Aykroyd fan, but I just it didn't. Yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah, I mean, this is a complete completist. I could check off that I saw another Dan Aykroyd movie that I didn't see before, and yeah, I have a film directed by one of my heroes, and they're all, you know, yeah, we've seen the shit. That's the outtake they put in there. 
Yeah. At the end of the movie, the character literally eats shit. <laughs> no, we eat shit. <laughs> yeah, I, but otherwise, I think this is a terrible movie. I mean, the guy vomited into a uh, uh, now, corpse. I just got to say that you didn't watch it with without me, you know, without with the sound, just watching it as a film. So you I don't, don't really know how unfunny this thing really was. Like, I would tell you to turn up the thing, and this is a good bit, but most all of this film was not believable of what things people would do in the real world and not funny bits. Now, Dave Thomas is hilarious, so I'm not sure how we ended up here, but we did. I mean, he wrote it, he directed it. You would think that the guy who did Strange Brew and the guy who did so many Saturday uh, Second City Television funny, hilarious things would be sure. really funny in this film, but but for some reason that didn't. He tried, you know, like I I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I'm not playing yeah. devil's advocate. This was unfunny, and I'm actually grateful I didn't actually have to watch it. Uh, <laughs> I kind of dodged the bullet on it. But I, I mean, under the circumstances, this is what they were able to produce. And I mean, it's entertainment, but also it, it is like all over the place. And I don't know, watching a guy puke into a corpse, I, I, that's a <laughs> horror movie, right? I yeah, mean, that's not a comedy. Poop on his body. And, yeah. You know, there was a very funny outtake we just missed. Dan Aykroyd was in the hot tub and they said to him, Dan, can you um, please like soap up the nipples? And so he goes to the woman and soaps them up and they go, no, 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 Dan, your nipples. He goes, oh, <laughs> he started covering them up. Gotcha. All right, well, that's uh, filmed in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Obviously. Edmonton, Edmonton. And for the company I work for, we have a, um, a location, a, 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 a cellular, you know, it's a, so I knew Edmonton. And where it was on the map and everything. Nice. Well, you know, tell them next time you're there, white coat, huh? Right? Am I right? Eh? <laughs> they won't know what I'm talking about. 90% of Canadians have never. And now that it's, you know, that was 2004, nobody knows this film. Not even the, the only people who know about this film now are the great audience of L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Thank you so yes. much for if you're Watching, still listening, listening at this point, thank you, people. Yeah, uh, we're, we're, we're one. We'll be back next Sunday, 2 p.m. on Muni Radio, Pacific Standard Time. We'll be back on your podcast feed as L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. And we're on YouTube. You can see the movie synced with the audio at L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Carl, thank you so much for making this happen. I'm excited for next week. We'll be back with a new movie. So... Subscribe and be ready. We'll see you then. Take care. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. You can watch if you want to. You can slap Spiegelman's behind. L-W-A-F-L-M-N-O-Y-T on Mutiny Radio. Mutiny. Mutiny! It's pronounced mutiny. Mutiny! It's, it's pronounced mutiny. You've
Well, my turn-offs are guys who say mutant Mutant Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Oh, Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman! Hey! Mike Spiegelman! Mike Spiegelman! Mike Spiegelman! Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman! Let's My turn-ons are dancing in the dark, kissing on a lark, and peeing in the park. You should follow me on Twitter. It's jokes to Carl. That's the duh of Francais, not the duh of dumbass. But never mind that. Don't follow me now. Follow me later. I mean, for right now. Ah, let's watch a full-length movie on you. W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Welcome to the show. Ah, thank you, ah. Mike. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. One hour show. We are bursting with energy. We're broadcasting right now, first, as always, on MutinyRadio.fm. It is the your internet streaming radio pal, direct from the heart of the mission in San Francisco. We are on there first every Sunday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We are part of a delightful afternoon. We follow Found Round Sound with Scott O, and then we're right before Ugly Sunday. So tune in. Go type in mutinyradio.fm. Hit play now and listen to us every Sunday, 2 p.m. PST. Hi, Carl. We are also a podcast by our acronym. It's A-L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Y-T is YouTube. Type that into your podcast dumb. app. Dumb. The whole name's dumb. Dumb, 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 dumb. And we are, of course, on YouTube where you can see Carl and me right now talking. I am, of course, wearing my Mutiny Radio shirt, uh, as always. And we are going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube. If you're watching it on YouTube, you don't have to – basically, you'll listen to us, find the YouTube uh, movie on YouTube, listen, watch the movie, sound off, and listen to us. And if that's a big headache, just go subscribe to our YouTube channel where Carl syncs up the movies, and that's L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Good to see you, man. What movie are we watching today? Today we will watch The Lathe of Heaven, 1980. The Lathe of Heaven. Everyone knows Lathe is L-A-T-H-E. It's La The, which is French for The and American for English for The. It's not the, confusing at all. The Lathe of Heaven, 1980. The channel we like is weird name. The end. It ends in doll, like roll doll. K L I L J E doll. Kalilji doll. Kalilji doll is hosting our movie. If you see something that sounds like that, you are yeah. in the right place. 
Type in lathe of heaven. Lathe is a mechanical tool. I just looked that up. It is L-A-T-H-E, lathe of heaven. Find the link. 1980. 1980. This is pretty recent. The lathe of heaven. Uh, So we're going to watch this movie, so we want you to watch it with us. You find the link, lathe of heaven, 1980, from Khalil and then you find it, you click it, you hit pause, move it back to zero, zero. This might take you a couple minutes, but yeah, we have Mike, good that's news. That's a lot to digest, right? Oh, it's no, going to take a while to look up lathe with T-H-E. Hang on. I'm going to give you a machine for shaping wood, metal, or other material by means of a rotating drive, which turns the piece being worked on against changeable cutting tools. I have lathe metal in a machine shop. There, I use it as a verb. So, so I know exactly what they're talking about. It spins and like you make the the beds posts, you know, as it goes around. You yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And I know heaven, right? That's where I, I'm going when I die. Oh, great. Yeah, great. No, I, I got tickets and everything. News? I got round trip tickets. Is that wrong? All right. Let's, <laughs> uh, all right. So go ahead, hit the link. We are going to say go and you're going to hit play with us. But we have a special comedian, a celebrity yeah. comedian, who's right. going to do our countdown. So, Take your time, find the movie, hit the link, wait. Carl has a celebrity comedian. We're going to learn a little bit about the celebrity comedian, and they are going to do the celebrity comedian countdown. Carl, take it away. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with Doug Carve. Welcome, Doug. Hello, Carve. How are you? All right, great. Now, you are an extraordinary comedian, okay? Oh, I don't know about that, but thank you. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I've seen you. Maybe I've seen you even 10 times, 12 times. It always, I'm, I'm bumping into you at the Comedy Cove. It's a, it's a haunt of yours, you yes. know? But I hear you started comedy kind of late. You were in your 30s. It was the early 2000s. You had this, like, bringer show at the Comedy Cellar. That's what sucked you into comedy. You didn't even want to do it. Tell us about this story. Yeah, I started in my early 30s. Um, I had no interest in doing stand-up whatsoever. Um, a very close friend of mine at the time thought that I was, you know, just the funniest thing walking. And I, I didn't feel that way about myself. I was just the guy with all my buddies that made everybody laugh. Um, but uh, he pushed and pushed and pushed and he... He said, you know, you have to do stand-up. I think you're so... And there was a couple other people as well. And uh-huh. I, it, he signed me up for an amateur night um, at the Comedy Cellar in Greenwich Village. Um, I was absolutely terrified. Um, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Uh, I, I, I really felt like I was being brought to my execution, to be honest with you. <laughs> and, um, but I, you know, I spent a couple of weeks working on some horrifically bad material. Um mm-hmm. And I had to memorize it, obviously, verbatim, because I knew I'd be so nervous, so scared. Um, but I put together seven minutes, and uh, I got to the club that night. I'll never forget. And I swear to you, I always tell people, there was a room with a Bengal tiger and or the stage. And I had a choice of going into one of them. I would have gone in the room with the Bengal tiger. I thought it was terrifying. <laughs> um, but, you know, I got up because there were people that came to see me. And I felt you know, some obligation to them. They drove to the city and of course. they made that, they made that <clears throat> excuse me. Um, they made that sacrifice. And I I said, you know what, I can't let my family and friends down. I got up, I did the seven minutes, and you know, people laughed. And it, it wasn't, you know, incredible. 
It was very uh, raw and very underdeveloped. I didn't know what I was doing really, but I remember that it felt good. And I said, wow, you know what? I think I'd like to do that again. Um, and the rest is history. I mean, I just, I, start, I did a few more shows there and then I started to get into the circle of comedians, um, you know, the amateur comedian circle. Excuse me, I apologize for the hoarse voice. Um, I got into the circle of amateur comedians. I started finding some rooms in Jersey, closer to where I live. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I started traveling around and, and learning the craft, you know, and I, I got up on stage as much as humanly possible. I used to seek out the toughest rooms as I could, you know, because I felt like the more I challenged myself, the better I would get. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, after doing it for a little while, I started to get some, you know, quote unquote job offers, you know, yeah. where people would pay me, you know, five, ten dollars, twenty dollars to host a show, you know, gas money, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, but it was cool. And at the time I had a good job. I was making decent money. Um, so but for me to be paid even a dollar to do something I love to do, because I fell in love with it very quickly. Um, it was it was a dream because I had never been paid to do anything I loved. I think it was like a fantasy, you know, and um, I slowly but surely kind of moved up the ranks. I got some better opportunities and eventually people started featuring me. And you now here I am now today and, you know, doing headlining spots and, and it's, it's, it's a tough road. You know, I always tell people, you got to treat it like a job. You got to treat it like a profession. You got to put your nose to the grindstone. You have to be reliable. You got to put in the work. And you have to have fun. That's the most important thing. Yeah, you have to have fun. That is the most important thing. Do you think that if you bombed the first time ever, if you didn't get those laughs, you wouldn't have been inspired to go on? Um, that's a good question. I've never really thought about that. Um, I don't know. I, I think if I did horrifically bad, it yeah. may have deterred me a little bit. Um, I... It's not like I got a lot of laughs. I got a few laughs, and people were smiling, and I got some laughs here and there. Um, I don't know how I would have ran. I'm, I'm kind of a stubborn person, so yeah. there's a good chance that you know I probably would have got a little mad. Said, you know what, I'm going to do this again. I, you know, I'm not going to go out on that note. So I probably would have tried it once or twice more, mm -hmm. um, just so that wasn't my lasting memory of it. Um, but I really don't know. I mean, I never. I never really thought too much about that. Luckily, uh, I did okay. But remember, too, those amateur type bringer shows, you know, when you're starting out, the audiences are friendly. Yeah, and absolutely. They're there to support, you know, newer comics. They're not, they're not people that are like, you know, now you're working in a pro club. People are paying good money. So the expectation is, you know, they're going to be entertained. They paid their money. It's like anything else. You know, they, they want their money's worth. When you're doing some of those types of shows, Luckily, the people in the audience understand that everybody's kind of starting out. So they're a little more, um, what can I say? They're a little more understanding um, uh, yeah. and a little more forgiving is the word I'm looking for. So, it, it, but it was good. And, you know, I tell, you know, the newer comics all the time, you just got to get up as much as you can. And you can't worry about the reaction necessarily. You know what? I always tell people, no one remembers how Derek Jeter did in Little League. You know, no one cares. It's irrelevant. Um, you can't miss any rungs on the ladder. You have to put in the work. And 
frankly, I always tell women and men that are getting into this, find the toughest rooms, find the tough spots, mm-hmm. go to places where people are least likely to be receptive and it'll make you stronger. And that's, that, that was, that was something that I did. And I'm glad I did it. A lot of comments.